Did you know that nearly nine out of 10 home buyers say they'd use a buyer's agent when purchasing a home again? Buyer representation really matters when there's 111 to-dos. Visit Realtor.com slash Buyer Agent Toolkit and spread the word. Buyer agents are essential. Welcome to the Real Trending Podcast, where your host, Tracy Velt, managing editor of Real Trends, interviews the brightest minds in real estate. Brokerage leaders, top agents, team leaders, and industry experts share their success secrets, trends, and lessons learned navigating this ever-changing industry. Today's Real Trending guest is definitely tired of Zoom as we all are, I'm sure. Zoom fatigue is real, and there's a Stanford study that talks about the four different reasons for it. Uh, Fiona took a look at that study, made some adjustments to her own leadership meetings using Zoom, and found some real success. So she shares that success with us today. Um, In fact, they've done some recent conversions of an independent brokerage who joined the Remax Integra family, and they did it completely through Zoom. She found the process so convenient and efficient that they're considering making that somewhat of a permanent change going forward, at least parts of it. And she's got an interesting story to tell of how they accomplished that. So take a listen and enjoy the show. Thanks so much for listening to Real Trending. This is Tracy Velt, Managing Editor for Real Trends, now owned by Housing Wire. Today, you'll be listening to an exclusive interview with Fiona Petrie, Executive Vice President and Managing Director of U.S. Operations for Remax Integra. Fiona has an impressive background in real estate and technology, running and selling a 700-agent brokerage and working in senior tech positions with companies such as Homes.com. She's also the co-host on Remax Integra's Now We're Talking Real Estate podcast, and she's no stranger to Zoom meetings and the fatigue agents and brokerage leaders are feeling after a year of virtual meetings. We'll talk to her about the psychology of virtual meetings and learn about the lessons learned completing several virtual mergers and acquisitions over the last year. So welcome, Fiona. Thank you very much, Tracy. I'm thrilled to be here with you today. I think I was mentioning earlier, I'm usually the one doing the interviewing, so this is putting me on the hot seat. So uh, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Anyway, so I'm looking forward to spending some time with you today and uh, reminiscing over last year and what's to come in 2021 is already upon us, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think there are a ton of opportunities coming at us. So I'm excited to hear what you have to say. Fantastic. So before we kind of get into some of your strategies about embracing change and combating Zoom fatigue and sustaining momentum virtually, Uh, Tell me a little bit about how your company's fared through the pandemic, and have you made any permanent changes um, directly related to it um, in kind of the what everybody says is the new market, which is just another market? So, right. Well, it is another market, and I will tell you uh, as I looked back, I looked at your questions, and uh, I did give it some some eyeballs before today, uh, or give them some eyeballs before today. And you know, it was it took me back, and uh, boy, pre-COVID seems like a million years ago. 
Uh, and uh, I remember when we all went into sheltering at place, you know, we started leading into experts for their ideas about what was what was it, the world going to look like uh, during, uh, you know, uh, sheltering in place and beyond. Uh, and what would it be coming out of it? And of course, uh, people were fraught with fear. Some people were paralyzed. Others leapt into action. And uh, it was uh, a time like no other. And uh, you had to expect the unexpected. But uh, we were kind of firm believers that it was going to be like the bouncy ball. You know, those bouncy balls you got when you were a kid and you threw them on the ground and then they bounced vertically back up again. Well, we were very convinced that that was going to be the way that the real estate market would recover uh, once we came out of sheltering in place. And so, uh, you know, I'm happy and thrilled to say that we fared incredibly well. We had one of the best years we've ever had. Uh, in terms of agent attraction numbers, if you could imagine. Um, agents out there were clearly looking for strong leadership, uh, a broker that knew how to pivot through COVID and arm them with uh, safe strategies for conducting real estate. And our broker owners truly did that. So I have to give a big shout out to them for their incredible acts of leadership and courage and, and showing no fear. Uh, we really saw some fearless leadership out there. Uh, and we excelled in franchise sales. We facilitated some outstanding mergers and acquisitions. Uh, we have reinvigorated some of our marketplaces with brand new broker owners, uh, superb ones. Uh, and we had record-breaking year for uh, sales in many of our markets for commissions, revenues, et cetera. So we were extremely for fortunate and I have to say, uh, that that is due to heroic acts of leadership in the marketplace uh, with our broker owners and also our agents in their communities, really helping uh, their buyers and sellers figure out how to navigate the market. Uh, so, you know, we uh, leapt into action, I will say, uh, when COVID hit, uh, we have a team of 40 uh, uh, staff, uh, corporate staff uh, in our U.S. footprint, which covers all of the New England states and parts mm -hmm. of the Midwest, Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Indiana. And so those people span all uh, different roles, whether they're working in our marketing departments, our franchise sales departments, our business coaching departments, our operations, our legal departments, and they really all leapt into action mm -hmm. together. There were no boundaries. We tore down geographies and we just... Uh, shoulder to shoulder, figured out what do we need to do to truly support our brokers and our agents. Uh, they immediately put together a COVID resource hub. Huh? And, uh, you know, and on it, our brokers and agents and even their consumers could go uh, and, you know, access the CARES Act and all the changes that took place were taking place. Um, they could access state laws regarding shutting down and, you know, how, how you were supposed to conduct yourself in various states during COVID, um, during the various phases of recovery. Um, we provided them with tools to boost their productivity, technology to enable them to do safe transactions and virtual transactions and so on. Uh, we also leapt into action. Uh, we hosted COVID meetings on a weekly basis for our agents and our brokers. I think many other companies did the same. And through incredible generosity from speakers, industry speakers, and so on, friends of Remax, like Steve Murray, they joined us on these meetings. We had politicians, Steve Harney, uh, John Azaraf, who, of course, is the contributor of The Secret. Uh, you know, all of these people, like, came together and just shared 
uh, and were giving of their time. And I think that incredible camaraderie, human spirit, um, one of giving um, is what got everybody through. And I think when we came out of having to rest in place, um, we came out with, in, in many cases, even stronger relationships. That's so I hope that answers that question. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I'm glad you shared your footprint because that was my next question. So, um, you know, I, I've noticed that since uh, really COVID hit and the stay-at-home orders, I've gotten, I've had the ability to go to so many more conferences than I would have if I had to travel um, because they're virtual, but I receive daily invitations to webinars, conferences, Zoom meetings, um, and I'm sure you receive the same. So what is, how is your company handling those meetings um, with your franchisees? Okay, so I'm glad to hear that uh, we're not the only ones that have, have, have had that happen to them. Um, I think the number of Zoom request meetings that we get is astronomical. You know, I, I, I praise the Lord that we had Zoom because I can't imagine going through uh, sheltering in place for so long um, and trying to do business, um, continuing business, if you will, without Zoom technology and, and like, like technologies like Google Hangouts and so on. Uh, but as beneficial as it was to keeping a business propelling forward, it has a bit of a double-edged sword because much like cell phones, remember we used to have pagers and then all of a sudden they gave us cell phones. And all of a sudden my mother knew how to get in touch with me automatic, like right away. And I started feeling that I was becoming too accessible, right? And now layer on email and text messaging, like we are so accessible, over accessible in some cases. And now Zoom, in comes Zoom. And people come, come right into your living room, your kitchen, um, anywhere you are and start to have a face-to-face -face, uh, uh, meeting with you, which is incredibly powerful, much better than conference calls. But sometimes I think uh, we need to sit back and recognize that you need to put boundaries around those Zoom calls because they do cause fatigue and perhaps too much accessibility. And I think my record, Tracy, for Zoom calls in one day was 14. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> a running joke who could have the most Zoom calls. And it was particularly helpful during COVID keeping us all together as we were remote. And I'm used to doing 100 flights a year as you know, um, going all over the place. And of course I was, I was stuck at my kitchen table. Mm -hmm. um, and so, uh, you know, it did give me uh, accessibility, but perhaps too much. And yeah. so I think now, it, you know, we've gained some perspective uh, in 2021, looking back at what were our best practices and what are some practices we really need to kind of put the reins on. I think to your point, those uh, Zoom meetings, uh, are something that we really need to decide when we have too many of them scheduled. Cause you can literally sit and go from one to another. Right. Yeah, for sure. So what are some steps that you're taking to kind of com um, combat the fatigue? And I think most people are starting a lot of in-person contact, especially real estate agents who have, who have been throughout the pandemic doing showings and things like that with under, with their safety precautions. But um, have you found any creative ways to hold Zoom meetings that really keep people engaged, um, knowing that maybe now it's a hybrid model of some in-person and, and some Zoom? Yeah, we're certainly seeing people starting to, we, certainly throughout the pandemic, 
a lot of our realtors were doing, you know, safely distance in-person meetings, but they were also leveraging Zoom. I think at a corporate level, we embrace Zoom uh, probably much more, uh, certainly with our broker owners, et cetera. Um, you know, I don't know if you know this, but in December, there were 10 million Zoom users. Hmm. And five months later, that number skyrocketed to 300 million. Wow. So you could imagine the number of people that have Zoom fatigue. And, you know, uh, Stanford's been studying Zoom fatigue. Harvard's been studying Zoom fatigue. And I've been studying it because I know I've, I've been, you know, I'm a victim of it. Yeah. And so uh, I sort of started looking into what's causing all of this and reading some of their papers. And uh, one of the newest studies from Stanford uh, on the phenomena of uh, Zoom, Zoom fatigue, as you say, um, suggested there's four main reasons for it. So once you know the reasons, then you can figure out what the cure is, right? And that's what we did. We looked at the reasons and then said, okay, what do we do? So the number one uh, finding of Stanford was that one of the stressors of Zoom is that everybody's always staring at you. Hmm. Think about it. You're in gallery view. There's 20 or 30 people or more and all eyes are on you. Or that's the perception your psyche has is that all eyes are from on you. And here's another piece. You don't have the social distancing that you're accustomed to. So think about when you're in a meeting. Mm -hmm. I'm probably, you know, pushed back much further away than I would be when I sit at my computer. Right. And so that is uncomfortable for us at a subconscious level and puts stressors on us. Uh, think about this. You're staring at yourself for hours on end, like you're holding up a mirror. Okay, that's stressful in itself. People don't like video because they don't want to look at themselves. Think about it, you're in a Zoom meeting all day. It's like you're on television all day. So, and I'm constantly finding I've got some hair that's standing up on end. So that's <laughs> another piece of it. And then being in a Zoom meeting is highly distracting. Mm -hmm. If you're on um, gallery mode, you know, where you can see everybody's faces, you're looking inside their homes. You can see a dog crawling across the back of a couch or a kid's hand or a spouse walking by. And you may have 20 to 30 of these different settings in front of you. So your mind is trying to take in all these visual cues. And you can imagine how exhausting that becomes if this is going on for hour after hour. So then now add to that, that you don't, you know, when you're talking with somebody in a meeting, you don't just have the audio cues. You also have many more cues from people's hands, which usually are kept below the screen. Otherwise they look huge. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, and so you don't have that, those other cues to assist you. So you're very, very focused on eye contact and you're sitting generally. Yeah. You're sitting on one place during those meetings, which can go one after another, after another, if you allow it. Um, and once again, they're very intense. So we came up with some solutions that we felt made a lot of sense based on what we had found in these studies. And they're really, really simple. Uh, pull your chair back when you're on a Zoom. Don't feel like you need to sit right up close. It's more comfortable for you and it's more comfortable for the other participants. Um, and turn off gallery mode. Don't be afraid to turn that darn thing off. You don't need to see everybody all at once. And you know, and when you do that, you can always remove yourself uh, from that mode so you're, you can scroll down so you're not looking at yourself all the time. Really, really simple strategies that really, really, really help. Turn off your camera when it's appropriate. Mm -hmm. You know, especially if it's an internal call, allow everybody to know it's okay to turn your camera off. We know you're listening, you know, commit to that. Feel free to walk around. 
Why not stand up instead of sit down during these meetings? Buy yourself a desk that you stand up to. Uh, and uh, I think this is key. Use Zoom judiciously. Yeah. Don't accept every meeting as a Zoom. Really think about who needs to be there because we tend to invite the free world sometimes and so not everybody needs to be at every meeting. Keep them short and concise as possible. Um, I think 45 minutes, when you get beyond 45 minutes, it gets really, really tough to concentrate and people really do start checking out. Uh, and this is really big on my list, um, dress for Zoom meetings. Yeah. You know, I, it's, it, you know, as we sheltered in place, it was really attractive to maybe just wear your yoga pants and a sweatshirt or jogging pants and a baseball cap. But the fact is your mind gets signals from what you wear. And if you get up in the morning and you put on exercise, you know, wear, guess what your body thinks you're about to do. Um, so when you get dressed for work, even if it's from the waist up, mm -hmm. it gives you that oomph. It, it, it gets your mind going and, and focus on the fact that you're at work. So I think it makes you feel a heck of a lot better. Don't get trapped in your jammies. That's a a big no-no and it, you're not going to feel good about yourself. So we implemented a lot of those strategies. Um, the other thing is consider investing in things like ring lights. If you've got a, a window should always be in front of you, not behind you. Um, they have loom cubes now that you can attach to the top of your uh, computer, right? That light you up and give you just, you know, just a bit of a lift. Um, and don't zoom from your bedroom, please. <laughs> yeah. It's not a place to do it. And keep that place as sacred if you possibly can. Like I know none of us were prepared for sheltering in place, but um, if you possibly can, because I see it all the time, try not to do that. Um, keeping things, you know, keep things fun as much as you can. Uh, you know, we had during COVID, uh, we had, of course, weekly team meetings with our team. Now, I will tell you, we were really fortunate. Our uh, regional team of about 40 team members uh, that span our U.S. footprint, uh, they work in all different states. Um, we actually modernized our company about two years previous to COVID. So we were all remote. We went from, from three bricks and mortar offices to working at our home. So we had kind of already made that adjustment, Tracy. Yeah. However, what we did, weren't ready for was having to work with our hubbies yes. or our partners mm -hmm. or, you know, our children who came home from college or yeah. from high school or what have you, and they needed a workspace, et cetera. And a lot of that did not exist. Yeah. So we had to make adjustments around that and also dig deep and realize like there's going to be extraneous noise. There's going to be dog barking. And we just need to understand that and have empathy around that, you know, and let people check out of meetings when they really need to, because that was a really, really stressful time. But we sort of on our Zoom meeting started to make, have some fun with them. I'm not going to lie. So every other week, uh, one person on our team would pick a theme for that next meeting that was coming up. And I gotta tell you, uh, they came up with some pretty crazy themes. I'm just trying to like go back to some of them. Um, some of them were express your favorite college via Zoom. Okay. 
Okay. Or what's your favorite cartoon character? I think our one next week is what's your favorite favorite uh, Marvel cartoon character? I'm not a big cartoon person, so I'm going to have to go research that. Um, but we, we're continuing to do this. Tiger King, if you could imagine, was one of the themes. Oh, yeah. um, show and tell, throwback week. So every single week we've had a theme and it's had an effect of lightening the mood. But it's also brought us closer together because we're finding out personal things about each other that I don't think we ever would have found out about each other if we didn't take the time to share on these crazy themes that we're um, uh, having every other week with our team. There's little things like that. Um, I like to be sending people things in the mail to the team just to keep them going, sent them uh, a, a, a rainbow catcher, you know, one of those crystals. I sent those out to everybody, letting them know there's a rainbow coming. So I think little touches are so important right now, but that's how we've tried to spice our Zoom meetings up. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, I'm going to skip the next question because I really want to, actually the next two, I'll, I'll kind of switch them up just a little bit. But um, I, I know you talked about doing 100% uh, virtual mergers and acquisitions in the past year. So I know the brokers listening will want to know a little more about that and some of your lessons learned during that process, because, you know, obviously M&A can, can get very detailed and very contentious at times, um, a lot of things to negotiate. So how, how has that worked for you? And, um, you know, what are some of your lessons learned? Yeah, well, so I have to uh, tell you that franchise sales is probably one of my favorite um, things to do, as well as mergers and acquisitions. I It's just one of my passions. Uh, I, I, I headed up franchise sales for our North American footprint for several years. And, um, you know, it's always been a belly to belly sport. Uh, you know, and my rule of thumb was you need to meet with a candidate every single week for an hour, belly to belly, face to face, a conference call does not count. Mm -hmm. And you need to keep them engaged in sales process, right? So they can come inside of Remax and really feel what it's like, what it's all about. Um, and we can answer all of the questions that they have. Well, as you can imagine, when we went into shelter in place, this went against everyone. <laughs> you know, my philosophies on how you facilitate a merger or do a franchise sales, because it's the same thing for a merger. I have always been of the same mindset. You need to meet once a week, specified time, topic driven, get through everything that needs to be covered uh, through what is a very complex process. And no two are alike, as you know, Tracy, there's no two mergers that are alike, no two franchise sales are alike, because everybody is different mm -hmm. and has different needs. They're not similarly situated and so on. So we had to rip up everything we've done in the past and say, okay, how are we going to do this? And, you know, I was thinking to myself, you can't possibly use Zoom to, to, to as momentum to move along a franchise sale or a conversion. Well, silly me. That's not the case. It was highly effective. I was totally wrong. <laughs> um, and uh, I will tell you that um, it was highly effective. We had some incredible candidates in our pipeline uh, for both franchise sales, conversions, mergers, before we had to immediately shelter in place. Kind of came like a bolt out of the blue, right? Rapid fire. And we were able to continue momentum seamlessly through Zoom. 
in fact, it made it more convenient. And it, it, it kept confidentiality in check, which people are always worried about. I mean, I've had to meet in hotel rooms to facilitate some uh, highly confidential conversions or mergers, et cetera. So this allowed us to have confidentiality really easily. It allowed people to meet every single week at the same time without conflicts coming up, without having to drive somewhere, et cetera. You didn't have the distractions that you can have uh, when you're in an office atmosphere or offsite. So, um, and I think people also felt comfortable in their own environments as we negotiated through uh, the deal points. Um, so I will tell you that it's, it, it was not only conducive, I think it, it, it actually, in some cases, accelerated the process. We had uh, a um, conversion of an independent company in Rhode Island that uh, I met them at R4, which is our annual convention uh, in Las Vegas uh, in, at the end of February, and never met them again until, and I haven't seen them since. And we were able to successfully convert them to Remax during COVID. And we kept, we have a department and all that they do are facilitate the mechanics of the conversion once the person's made the decision or that they want to convert or merge or what have you, or come into Remax. This department, that's all they do. And so they're, they've got huge muscle around it uh, and they don't miss a detail. And so they had to change up what they did and what their protocols were to accommodate sort of this new virtual environment where we needed to keep everybody safe. Uh, and I will tell you, uh, we kept putting off and putting off the announcement date of this conversion because everything's kept highly confidential, generally speaking. So we finally said, we just can't, can't delay this anymore. I think we delayed it three times. And so, uh, uh, we finally they, we finally said we've got to do this virtually, and it was the first one we'd ever done. Like, you'd imagine you've owned this independent for years. Your agents mean everything to you, um, and now you're telling them that they're switching the company that they've aligned themselves with, and they haven't been through the process you have to see inside Remax. Mm -hmm. So they made the announcement that there was going to be a Zoom uh, office meeting, and that it was very very important that they attend. And then they sent out a box 48 hours before the meeting and it had a caution tape all over it. And then it had a huge red bow in juxtaposition of the caution tape. And it says, and it said, do not open until, you know, yeah. two, you know, 10 o'clock on Tuesday. And um, we will all be opening these together on Zoom. So everybody knew that, you know, they're going to know if they tamper with the box. And so uh, we all joined in on this call. Uh, everybody from the regional team did not have their cameras up, obviously. There were just phone numbers that people probably didn't know, um, perhaps names. But generally speaking, we would dial in, so it was just a phone number. And, um, and there, this broker owner, who was incredibly eloquent, um, told his, his uh, agents we cares about so deeply. Look, I, we're going to Remax. Really excited, and then introduced us as we popped on, and then we did a presentation about Remax, and they were psyched. And then they got to open their boxes, which I think was the like they were just so jazzed to you know what the heck was in there. And of course, out came all the paraphernalia for Remax, and you know, shirts, and people were putting them on. And then, of course, there had to be libation, so there was. 
champagne in there and everybody was toasting virtually. I have to tell you, it was really touching. It was super touching. So that was the first one we did. Mm-hmm. Then we had a broker owner from Newfoundland, Canada. He's a Remax broker owner. He's got, he actually owns one of the fastest growing Remaxes in Canada. He is a wonderful gentleman and we had a company for sale in Cambridge, Massachusetts, which as you know is Greater Boston. Uh, A great company, about 70 agents. And um, I have never met him in person. And he acquired this company. He has never met his office manager. He has never met his administrators or any of his staff in person. He has never met one of his agents. And this happened last June, he hasn't lost one person. Wow. And so we facilitated a very similar sort of process. We had influencers who the previous owner and this new owner met with the day before, asked for their confidentiality. And then we had a meeting with a larger uh, group of agents the next day. Um, And it was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, And as I said, now we're, you know, that happened in June of last year. And he's been able to connect with them in a really, really deep way. I was actually talking with one of his top agents, Sage, um, a couple of days ago. I was asking him how it went. You know, how is it being? He goes, I have such a deep relationship with this new owner. He has helped me take my business to the next level. And once again, they've only met via Zoom conference calls, et cetera. And this new owner has been able to recruit three new top producers to his company. Wow. I can't wait to see when he gets there. By the way, he's already done an expansion office. Oh, wow. Yeah. There's so much that's achievable and we just need to open our minds uh, and then we'll just find the way. And um, we have another one that we announced last week and uh, it was a really, really tough one, uh, full of emotion uh, because it was uh, such a a tenured situation. Um, And um, once again, uh, they wanted to do it in person. They were bound to determine that was the way they were going to announce to their agents that there was a new owner coming in uh, or a new ownership group, I should say, very, very dynamic one. Uh, But, you know, so many people were catching COVID. They decided to do it virtually. Once again, they sent out boxes, which we think is really a nice human touch in addition to the virtual announcement to have something tangible. And so we said they had sent out champagne to all of their agents and there was like almost 200. Okay. So you could imagine all of these people are in gallery view, et cetera. But, um, you know, I think this is the way, at least for the near future, we're going to be making these announcements. And I think if they're done with care and practice and planning, they can really be highly effective. Yeah, that's great. Um, It's really, really interesting how quickly people have been able to switch gears and accept, um, you know, the the fact that this virtual world uh, may be the wave of the future, even when we are out and about and, well, you know, truly out and about without masks and and social distancing and getting back to normal. This still may be a big part of how we do business. So, So that's interesting. Yeah, I think you're 100% right, Tracy. Look, I think a lot of what we're doing today, my hope would be that some of this we will carry into the future when we don't have to wear masks anymore. And we can give each other a hug, which I so look forward to. Yeah, Uh, instead of the bumping. I don't like that bumping. (laughs) No, me neither. (laughs) 
<laughs> so my final question is, I mean, obviously the market's been booming. Um, there are a lot of challenges with low inventory. And according to the, our um, Q1 broker sentiment report, uh, unknown regulatory changes, people are very concerned about that. So what are some of the trends you're seeing as it relates to challenges and how have um, your franchisees and brokers turned those challenges into opportunity? You know, I, Lord, there's been a lot of challenges out there over the last year. Uh, and it's not just COVID. It's, you know, there's a, we've got a rapidly changing industry in terms of regulations, tax laws, um, you know, acquisitions that are being done in the marketplace, et cetera. Uh, and yet, I, probably one of our biggest challenges that we face as an industry is that we are in a crisis and uh, our housing crisis is seated in the fact that we have record low inventory, in inventory levels that we've never seen before. In uh, most of our U.S. footprint, uh, we are seeing inventory levels down anywhere between 40 and 80 percent year over year. And those are staggering numbers when one considers uh, that we already were at a, at a point of low inventory before we went into COVID. Um, the fact is the consumer has never been more focused on their home. And according to NAR, over 40% of homeowners right now are not happy with the homes they're in because they don't accommodate their new needs because of COVID. Uh, so, you know, and low interest rates are putting more pressure on the market, of course. And uh, homeowners have never had as much equity. And many of them are opting to do home improvements instead of making the move, or they not ready to put their home up for sale in, in the middle of COVID. Uh, you know, a lot of predictions are that towards the end of or Q3, because of the applications for building that, that, that the various towns are seeing and cities are seeing, that inventory will loosen up. But right now, our biggest uh, crisis is, uh, is inventory. Um, and I, I've not seen a market that's not in this situation. Uh, so, my feeling is, a strong feeling is, that if we're to win the day, if an agent's to win the day, then they have to be completely laser focused on their sphere of influence, on their farm areas, and getting out there and connecting with those consumers on a regular basis. Studies show that 75% of real estate opportunities that exist in an agent's database and sphere, they never get, they miss. So I'm very excited because Remax actually announced the acquisition of First, uh, the uh, company called First. They have Remax First now, which is a data science company. Uh, and it basically scores an agent's database on over 700 different data points and predictively will serve up to the agent who in their sphere may be thinking of listing their homes. Look, I think that agents need to embrace and lean into these technologies that are emerging anywhere, anything that is has to do with keeping a focus on listings because he who has the listings will win in this market, period. Um, with all the change that's going on, I believe if agents can maintain that focus and take great action in that regard, they will win the day. And you know, at the end of the day, irregardless of uh, regulations and what have you, we will figure out how to work through all of that. But at the core of an agent's business, look, the fact is, Real estate is a relationship sport, period. And, you know, an agent's base uh, business and their success hinges on 
the depth of their relationships with their sphere. And that's what really needs to be their focus, particularly this year, uh, as we move through a market that in many places I'm seeing a week or two weeks worth of inventory on the marketplace. So if agents can remain focused on that, they will win the day. Yeah. They will win over any disintermediaries in the market, any regulatory changes, et cetera. And what can brokers do to help them? That's a great question. You know, I've seen, a, first of all, I think it's working with agents to get together their ba- databases. I don't know. There's so many top agents I know that don't do that. You know, they've kind of got it written here and there. You need to get them into a really good CRM, help them make sure that they've got drip campaigns going out. But you just can't be just dependent on those drip campaigns. You've got to pick up the telephone. Yeah. You've got to pick that phone up. You've got to make the calls. You've got to send the texts. You've got to notice them on Facebook. It's a full-time job. And if you don't have time to do all of that, hire somebody, hire a a student. There's great Mm -hmm. mentor programs at the local colleges. Bring that talent into your business and hire away the jobs that you aren't good at or you don't want to do, but, but you know need to get done or you're going to erode away business. Yeah, you're going to lose to disintermediators in, in, in the marketplace that are trying to get in between you and your customer. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I'm always amazed when an agent, uh, a top agent especially, does not have uh, a CRM or a database and it's a, you know, Rolodex or if, you know, something similar. I don't know if anybody has Rolodexes anymore, but um but yeah, it's amazing to me that that they don't. And there is such great data analysis and and um, predictive analytics out there that can really make a big difference. So yeah. I totally agree with that. And but you know, get out into the neighborhoods as well. So I was kind of shocked because a top agent I talked to said I've started door knocking, and I was like, "What?" He said, "I'm out door knocking," and he said, "Am my- I?" Farm area is loving it because I'm masked up, but they want to talk real estate. They've been shut in their houses. They're dying to talk to somebody other than their spouse or their kids. Mm -hmm. You know, they're sick of looking at each other. So when I come knock at the door and I say, I want to talk to them about real estate, they love it. And when you consider how the consumers never be more fixated on their home ever, because they've been in it for longer than they've ever been in it. So I thought to myself, okay, so that's not crazy, because I would never have encouraged somebody to go door knocking, full disclosure. And now I'm saying, if that's something you're comfortable doing. Yeah, maybe it's a good idea. You know, what's good for one person isn't good for another. But so find what's comfortable, do it, but uh, make sure you're hiring somebody. Uh, to help you with those things that you know you're not going to do what you need to do to keep in touch with that database in a really meaningful fashion. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Well, Fiona, thank you so much for joining the Real Trending Podcast. We really appreciate all of your insight and information. It sounds like you've um, got a lot of great things happening at Remax Integra and um, congratulations on all of your success despite all the challenges you've been through. Well, thank you very much, Tracy. And here's to an incomparable 2021 and beyond. That's right. And uh, it's going to be a superb year. We just got to figure out how to pivot through it. Yep, absolutely.
Thank you for listening to Real Trending. For more insightful interviews with real estate executives, subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more.